Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Mastering the Room, brought to you by the Graduate School of Political Management at the George Washington University. I'm your host, Steve Pierce. Every episode on the show, we'll sit down with some of the brightest minds in politics, advocacy, and communications. They'll give us a behind-the-scenes look inside the room where it happens, share how their graduate school experience at GSPM helped them get an inside track to professional success, and how it can help leaders like you do the same. New episodes drop every other Monday, so be sure to subscribe to Mastering the Room on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your preferred podcast listening app may be. And if you like what you're hearing, please give us a rating or review. Just a few seconds of your time can help us spread the word and reach more listeners just like you. And if you want to learn more about GSPM, feel free to check out our website at www.gspm.gwu.edu. And now, without further ado, here's a brand new episode of Mastering the Room. Hello and welcome to Mastering the Room. I'm your host, Steve Pierce. Every week we take a behind-the-scenes look inside the room where it happens, guided by some of the brightest minds in politics, advocacy, and communications. This week on the show, we're joined by Tiffany Waddell, an alumna of both GSPM's Legislative Affairs Master's Program and its Graduate Certificate Program in PACs and Political Management. She's also a seasoned government affairs professional who has a wealth of experience developing and implementing policy at the federal and the state levels. Tiffany has run political action committees for some of the most prominent companies and associations in D.C., including Delta Airlines, the Printing Industries of America, and the National Fraternal Order of Police in the 2012 election cycle. She also put her PAC skills to work on behalf of the Republican National Committee and Mitt Romney's presidential campaign, where she created and implemented the first presidential PAC program. And most recently, she's spent nearly six years as a senior advisor to Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, where she served as director of federal relations and represented the governor and state's interest in Washington. And today, she's taken that work a step further in her work as the director of government relations for the National Governors Association, a nonpartisan organization that serves as a public policy liaison between the state governments and the federal government. Obviously, there's a lot going on out there uh, in the states and in D.C., uh, so we're very grateful there for taking a few minutes to chat with us today. Tiffany, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. Uh, we start at the same place on this show uh, in every episode, which is at the beginning. So let's rewind the clock. Uh, take us back. Where does where does the story of Tiffany Waddell begin? Where were you born? Kind of what was your what was your family like? Where were you like uh, when you were a kid? I really am a kid of the Washington suburbs. Grew up in uh-huh. Montgomery County. Um, I consider myself one of the oldest millennials, uh, (laughs) born in 1980. Um, But, you know, I grew up in a family that was not political. Um, No one in my family um, ever spent any time in politics. Um, They love to talk about politics. uh, Mm. uh, Sunday mornings were always a lot of fun. My dad would make breakfast and we'd have the political shows on. Everybody would would talk about the the hot topics of of the week. Um, but, you know, I, I grew up in a family that we had Republicans and Democrats and independents. So lots of different, um, lots of different opinions. And it was just always a great conversation. Uh, so it, I knew it was something that I was always interested in. And I just kind of wanted to build on that and see if there was a possibility of a career out of it. 
Yeah, so what is your path into politics as a career? So you mentioned, you know, not really a political family. You had some some nice political discussions, uh, you know, at, at home and at family events uh, with this, you know, diverse group of folks with different views. Um, but how do you kind of go from, you know, always kind of having that interest, right, that you mentioned, to figuring out, you know, I think this is a career and a thing that I can make money from and dedicate a large portion of my life to? How do you kind of make that transition? Is there something that really sucks you in and, and, and opens up your eyes to that path that might that might be before you? Just like many of us here in DC, I mean, I, you know, I tried it out doing internships. Um, I actually did my first internship as a Girl Scout um, one summer um, in high school. And I really just caught that uh, that political bug and um, the Potomac fever and just really liked it. So knew that I wanted to at least be able to study uh, political science um, as an undergrad and see where that went. Um, I chose a university. Um, I, I did my ma- uh, bachelor's degree at the University of South Carolina. And what really attracted me there was I was allowed to kind of um, work you know, get my political science degree. The South Carolina State House was right there close to campus. Um, So I was able to uh, try out state politics and do some internships um, in state government while also uh, pursuing my bachelor's degree. And how do you go about kind of, you know, going from there, from those those internships uh, in college to really getting your foot in the door uh, professionally? Like, was there an experience or, or a person that was really instrumental in, in helping you break in and, and get to DC and kind of crack that, that DC nut, which I know, you know, uh, so many people know from experience can be a little tricky. Was there, was there something that really opened the door for you? Yeah, I, um, you know, it was tricky. I, um, and it wasn't necessarily easy. So I, I, like many others, um, you know, every different, Every different job opportunity out there, I was sending in my resume and, and writing different cover letters, doing interview after interview. But I really didn't have that um, uh, that network where I was able to um, have somebody place a call on my behalf or say, "Hey, this is a you, you should have a conversation with this gal." Um, so I just I spent some time. I spent a couple of months just kind of spinning my wheels and. And try, you know, doing a lot of different interviews, not landing anything, came up with this idea that maybe I should uh, go work at one of the D.C. area country clubs because I'm sure that there are some political folks that belong to these country clubs and maybe I can try to network that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really did. I, I, I went and um, was a concierge for a couple of months at the Bethesda Country Club. And um, met my uh, my first boss. Um, he was the head lobbyist at um, American Hotel and Lodging Association. He was looking for an assistant at the time. And so personalities clicked and it worked. And he really um, allowed me to uh, have my first, uh, first job here in D.C. and really taught me the ropes and, and got myself in the door. That's incredible. Yeah, those those first experiences you mentioned, uh, you know, your first your first job came out of that at the American Hotel and Logic, Lodging Association. Um, those those first experiences can teach us some really valuable lessons that we carry with us for the rest of rest of our careers, even if, you know, it's not maybe the most glamorous work we've done. But you, you, you learn some really important things. What did you learn from, you know, those those early roles and maybe that time at, uh, in that first job? that you kind of carried with you uh, in, in the path that you've walked since that's continued to be um, instructive and informative for how you carry yourself in your career? 
Yeah. So I think, you know, the, my, my first boss just always taught me to just um, treat everyone with just the utmost respect, be kind. And I mean, those are simple, simple philosophies to live off of. Um, but it, you know, it really comes true. I, um, he always kind of joked, he would say, you know, my, my interns um, will, will grow up to eventually be my boss one day. And, um, <laughs> and so, you know, we, um, we just all worked as a big team. Uh, doing lot, doing lots of different things, and they were always so um, uh, not ac- accommodating, but just helpful in just kind of teaching me the ropes. Um, and um, and I was just eager to learn. I was a sponge, just wanting to soak it all in and and see how it could be, how could be I could be a part of everything. Um, you know, another another piece of advice that I got early on was, you know, just don't you know, don't look at the clock. Like it's, you know, it's never a nine to five job. It's, you know, what else can I be doing? You know, if there's, if somebody can't attend a reception at night, um, you know, volunteer say, you know, I'm happy to do that. It just helped like every little bit, um, helps and it helps you build that network, um, and help, helps you stand out a little bit more. In 2006, I think you be, you go and you become a, a legislative liaison and, and, and the PAC director for the National Fraternal Order of Police, which is the police, Policeman's Union. Um, why did that feel like the right step for you uh, after kind of the, the you know, your, your initial experience at the, at the American Hotel and Lodging Association? And, and what did that opportunity provide for you in terms of kind of advancing your career at that time, which was, you know, still relatively new and young? You know, I um, it, it provided me an opportunity to go out and be a pack, and be a pack director, which is something that I was really aspiring to do. I was able um, at the American Hotel and Lodging Association work on work on their pack, and um, this allowed me the opportunity to kind of go be a director and build mm-hmm. build a pack program. Um, they had had a very uh, small pack in the sense that they had just set it up with the Federal Election Commission and just had a few dollars in there. So I really was able to kind of build the pack um, from the ground up. And that is something that really attracted uh, me to it. Um, the individuals, um, just like the American Hotel and Lodging Association, I still keep up with today, but the National Fraternal Order of Police, you know, they are all great men and women um, that I, that I keep up with regularly. Um, we had a lot of, a lot of good times together with the, with the fundraising and different things. Um, but it's just, it's just a great group. And it also aligned, um, with my, uh, with my private life a little bit as well. I am married to a Montgomery County police officer and we've been almost mm-hmm. married 18 years. Um, so I, I was a lo- I love the opportunity to kind of be able to do my work and, and give back in that way and work with a great group. And it's around this time that you also uh, find your way to GSPM. You're what you're unique in in that I think you might be our only guest that has uh, both kind of gone through one of GSPM's uh, certificate programs and then also gone through and 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 gotten the master's degree through the master's degree program. Uh, I believe you, you kind of first find your way to GSPM through that PAC management certificate program. Uh, how did you find out about uh, uh, about GSPM and about the program, and, and how did you kind of make the decision this was a thing you wanted to do? Yeah, so I, um, like many others, I, uh, I I rode the metro for for many years, and there was this slogan that I still remember um, that was plastered all over the metro system, which was just "Bring us your ambition." And um, I just have a lot of ambition, and I was like, I think this is something that I could do. Um, I wasn't, I did not necessarily have the greatest undergrad degree, um, 
grades um, or uh, or test scores. Um, so starting with the certificate program allowed me to um, just kind of try it out, see if graduate work uh, was something that that I enjoyed was something that I could do well at. And it, um, it kind of surprised me that, you know, when you're so interested in the subject, how, how much emphasis you put on your studies, um, and, Mm -hmm. um, and, and really make it a priority. And so I, I really excelled at that certificate program and, and enjoyed it. I think it was five classes. Um, that's where I met one of my favorite professors at GSPM, Nancy Bascar. Uh, she uh, she taught um, and teaches fundraising 101. We still keep up to this day, but it you know it allowed me the opportunity to um, just kind of see what else was out there in the in the school, and um, I was able to transfer those credits into a master's program um, and and focus in the legislative affairs arena, which is which is really a space that I knew I wanted to end up in, um, and and that's what I'm working on today. And you know, you're, as we kind of covered, you're working during the day and, and you're going to school at night, I think, which is mo- most GW students, most GSPM students do. Um, how was what you were learning in the evenings kind of relevant to, you know, your day jobs that you're working at this time when you're a student at GSPM? And, and how are you able to kind of take those lessons and, and apply them immediately into your work? All of those lessons were really transferable. I would say that um, my writing just improved so much um, from my time at GW. Um, one of the areas that uh, the professors very much focused on was, you know, it's not only those 25 or 30 page papers, but it's being able to summarize an issue or a topic into that two page briefing memo that all of our bosses are going to want. And so, um, you know, or, or writing, a writing a narrative, writing, a um, um, a pack, uh, kind of pack strategy. So all of those things I was able to kind of, you know, work on and strategize on and be able to use in my, in my day job. It's obviously been a little bit and you've kind of gone on in your career, uh, and had a lot of success since you left GW looking back, what do you, what do you think is kind of the most valuable thing that students can take away from their time uh, at GSPM? What have you found to be kind of the most valuable pieces of that GSPM experience that have, that have paid dividends for you and the path that you've walked since? The network that I've built at GW um, has just been so incredible. Um, it, you know, being around people who enjoy politics and campaigns and and um, and, and advocating—it's just all—it's it's a rewarding network to be in and around. Um, and I've just I, I've just loved it. Um, as soon as I graduated from the GSPM program, I think it was just weeks later that I took uh, that my initial job. Um, with a, with a committee. And so I worked at the Republican National Committee in the 2012 cycle, which led me um, to then presidential candidate uh, Mitt Romney. And, um, and that's where I used a lot of the, the different um, things that I learned at GSPM when I was able to jump on his presidential campaign and, and serve as his national PAC director and build out that first um, PAC program and, um, and strategy. Yeah, I'm I'm curious about that because uh, you know, prior to that, you'd spent a lot of time uh, running 
PACs at, at, at the Fraternal Order of Police and the printing industries of America, kind of on the association or the industry side. And then you kind of port that over in 2012 during that cycle uh, to kind of the electoral or the campaign side uh, of politics uh, at the RNC and, and with Governor Romney's campaign, I guess Senator Romney now, um, Governor Romney at the time. How were those kind of two sides different? What was it like kind of taking the knowledge from your experience on the industry side uh, and, and porting that over to kind of campaigns that it sounds like do something new that hadn't really been done before? Exactly. Um, you know, I really, uh, I was attracted to kind of the fast pace and the environment of working in working in one of the national um committees and um and then also on a on a campaign you know everything is just so fast paced and all the different verticals um that that were part of the the fundraising efforts on the Romney campaign i was just able to learn about so many different industries be in and around um you know some of the the nation's top leaders and um, and that network that I built, I just loved. I also um, I I mentioned that I really liked kind of that fast pace. Um, oftentimes we you know we were given uh, 20, 24 or forty eight hours to be able to pull off a fundraiser and, and get the right folks in the room, um, and being able to kind of build those skills to to do that um, was just really rewarding. And I and I liked liked that time um, in my life and that pace. After the 2012 election, you you go to Brand USA as their national sales director. I, I don't think that that's probably a, a, a household name that a lot of our listeners will know. Can you tell us a little bit about what kind of Brand USA is and, and what they do, and, and kind of how your work there might have either built upon or differed from kind of your previous work in that PAC political fundraising space that you'd spent so much time in to that point. Yes, Brain USA, it's a great organization, very different than the space that I was in. And I think, you know, a lot of us who ever have an opportunity to work on a presidential campaign, I mean, you are, you have one mission in mind, and it's to get to the White House. Um, but when you are on a, a losing presidential campaign, um, sometimes it can knock the wind out of you. And um, so you kind of start to think about what you want to do next. I was able uh, to be part of a lot of, um, and meet a lot of different, um, individuals all throughout my time. Um, Mr. Marriott was, was one of them that was really instrumental on, uh, Mitt Romney's presidential campaign. And he was serving on the board of advisors at Brand USA at the time and made the introduction to me. He, um, he said, you know, in Brand USA, um, for those of you who don't know, is really the destination marketing organization for the United States. So their sole mission is to um, increase international visitation to the U.S. Um, at the time, um, they they needed to raise a lot of a lot of dollars uh, for their for their match, and um, and I was the person uh, for that job. Um, so I it was a great opportunity for me to kind of be able to learn about all the DMOs um, all across the all across the country, and I really. Um, I found that to be a, a great space um, temporarily while I figured out what I wanted to do next. So I was able to get in there, raise some, raise some dollars for them, um, expand on my network before I uh, moved into the path of more um, advocacy related. And that's where I, I landed at Delta Airlines, which was also one of the members of Brand USA. Yeah, you kind of, you, you noted that you kind of, this is a, a time when you, 
when you make a pivot, uh, a, a little bit of a pivot in your career and your focus, you'd, you'd spend a lot of time kind of managing packs and, and doing fundraising uh, up until this point on the, on the political side of things. And then in 2014, uh, you go to work for Delta, where I think you are involved still in their pack, but you're also moving more into that advocacy uh, and, and government affairs space. But what kind of pulled you in to in, into that space and, and, and made that seem like a, a, an attractive path that you kind of wanted to explore? It is. You know, I, um, I very much love uh, fundraising in the sense that you can, you can always see, um, you always have a goal to reach. Um, but I was always very interested in just advocating for those issues that were that were important to me. And when I was on um, Mitt Romney's presidential campaign, I was introduced to just a lot of different um, different issues uh, that were important to Americans. Um, you know, I, I spoke a little bit about the the verticals uh, within the within the campaign, and just um, hearing all of the issues that were important, building my knowledge of them, really wanted really helped me kind of make this transition. So when I when I landed at Delta Airlines, I was you know working working on their pack, um, which w- which was great, and working with all on behalf of all of Delta's um, employees. But at the same time, I was also able to learn kind of the the advocacy side of things and so what issues were important to our nation's airlines and um and how we can take care of our employees and so that allowed me to really kind of make that pivot um before moving on to official um my roles uh, in the past eight years which has been definitely more on the advocacy and and lobbying side yeah and in 2015 uh you kind of Continue to take steps down that that advocacy and lobbying path. Uh, you go to work for Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, uh, your home state governor, uh, as his senior advisor and director of federal relations, where you're essentially representing him and representing the state of Maryland uh, in in D.C. Uh, the interests of the, of the state in D.C. And that's kind of a unique job, although admittedly you're not surprisingly not the first of our guests to have it. We had we were lucky to have. Uh, Patty Redinger, who has that job for the state of Michigan uh, right now on uh, on last season. Um, but what did you find uh, particularly meaningful and fulfilling about about that job, about, you know, getting to kind of continue down that advocacy path, uh, but do it for your home state uh, and do it for Governor Hogan and, and represent those interests uh, in Washington? Because it must have been, you know, fairly meaningful and fulfilling because you did it for six years, which is a long time in Washington, D.C., it is. And, you know, I'm so glad you were able to have Patty Redinger on last season. She's a she's a dear friend um, and uh, doing doing that job for uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Um, yeah. So in 2015, you know, I, I found myself um, we uh, Maryland had a, a new Republican governor. Um, I had no ties uh, to Governor Hogan before he got elected. And so honestly, I was I was down in Atlanta, Georgia, working on a Senate race down there. Um, at the time when I was working at Delta Airlines and, and Larry Hogan's name comes across the screen, um, having won um, the state of Maryland, which was which was a little bit of an upset um, for, for the pollsters in Maryland. And I was like, I got to I got to figure out how to meet this guy. Um, so, you know, uh, it took it took me a little bit to navigate just uh, state politics and, and the state of Maryland and and the uh, organization that he was building. Uh, but when I had the opportunity to just 
talk about what I could bring uh, to his team. You know, I was able to bring all my experience at the national level. I was able to tie that into um, a home state that I that I uh, was born and raised in and dearly love. And there was this position uh, being able to do state and federal relations for Governor Hogan. And it was like the perfect fit for me. Um, still my favorite job. I absolutely loved it. Um, and, you know, just being able to work um, for your home state and being able to, you know, uh, work to be able to get those, uh, advocate for those, um, those, do- those federal dollars and then be able to witness um, those projects being built within, within your state, those roads and bridges, um, you know, cleaning up the Chesapeake Bay, all of those different things um, was just really rewarding work. And the, and the network within um, the state of Maryland that, that I was able to build. I mean, it was, it was the first network that I felt um, more, it felt more like family than anything else. And so I very much still close with, um, with that group. And today you're, you're the director of government relations for the National Governors Association, which feels like kind of the, maybe the next logical progression uh, from the work that you were doing with with Governor Hogan, where now you're you're not just working with one state, but you're working as kind of a a, a liaison between you know all the all the state governments uh, and the federal government in, in D.C. Um, how does that opportunity come about, and how does that kind of feel like the next natural step in in your work uh, from what you were doing with Governor Hogan in the state of Maryland, and 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 what do you find most you know most motivating about uh, about this work that you're doing today? How how do you what what's most rewarding about it and what gets you out of bed in the morning and excited to come to work? Yes, um, the National Governors Association, it really is just a tremendous organization. Every day I get to wake up and advocate for our nation on behalf of our nation's governors. Um, I was very involved with the National Governors Association at a, at a staff level before my time joining the organization. Uh, Governor Hogan served as the chair of the National Governors Association, and I was able to lead his work in that area um, at the staff level when I was on his team. Um, Governor Hogan, you know, when he when he served as chair, he uh, he really wanted to focus on our nation's crumbling infrastructure. And so he every year, uh, the chair is allowed to kind of set up a year long a chair's initiative where they have their focus. And so for the first uh, first four to six months, it was focused on our nation's infrastructure. Um, and then COVID hit. And Governor Hogan was serving as the chair of our nation's governors when COVID hit. Um, and so I was right by his side during that time um, as he was talking uh, to every single governor in our country uh, daily and working, you know, hand in hand with um with the administration um, and asking asking the, the feds on behalf of the nation's governors um, for things that that were needed in those early days of the pandemic. And so just kind of being able to witness and being able to be part of all of those convenings and as my as my former boss was chair, it really attracted me to the National Governors Association. And so when I was able, um, when this position came about, um, it, it did seem like a natural fit. Um, I had no idea that uh, my name might ever be considered for it, but I figured, why not? Let me throw my name in the hat. And um, so I'm so glad that I did because I was able to bring some of that work, um, a lot of that work that I did when my, bo- when my former boss was 
was the chair and the network that I built working with all of you know, the nation's governors, their staff, their chiefs of staff, the state federal representatives. Um, and now I get to work with them every day, which is just rewarding. Uh, when I first started at the National Governors Association, um, the infrastructure bill was was uh, ramping up again. And, and that's when the big dialogue was happening in Congress. Uh, the governors had been able to put forth some pri- priorities and key principles that we wanted to be part of that, that bill. And that's um, so we were part of the early stages of that. And so it was great to see the passage of um, IIJA. And, and we had some other big successes last year with the CHIPS Act and the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. Um, so three big bills in the in the 117th Congress that were able to be passed with the influence um, of our nation's governors. This year, uh, the main focus of uh, advocacy focus for our nation's governors really is the implementation of those three bills. So while, you know, they've passed Congress, we're working uh, day in and day out on the implementation of these bill- big bills, working with um, the federal agencies on all the regulatory issues. Um, you know, states are always asking for more flexibility. Um, so those those are key priorities for the governors. And then this year, um, the governors are also really focused on energy issues and, and workforce issues. So we're hopeful that we're able to um, to meet in the middle uh, with some of our lawmakers and be able to find some real bipartisan solutions on on the energy and workforce issues. In addition to your your work uh, with the National Governors Association, you're also currently serving on uh, the GSPM Board of Advisors. Um, can you share a little bit about about kind of that role and and how you know what what that looks like how do you get to kind of interact with with students and even alumni in that role and 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 why did that feel like a thing that you really wanted to do yeah so um you know i I probably am one of the newest members of gspm's board of advisors joining last uh being asked to join last september um and i get to interact with students and alum um and faculty quite a bit um in the fall and spring semester i've uh, been able to teach the independent study course um at gspm and so working working with students hand in hand on their their final um thesis before graduation. And um, I've, I've been able to kind of welcome um, many of the students uh, to the National Governors Association. I think two weeks ago, uh, we had a group in there for the Washington semester and just be able to talk to them, uh, hear what their interests are, how they're also learning to navigate the hill and, and what, uh, what gets them up in the morning. Um, we've also been able to really kind of build upon um, the alumni and, and bring in bring in alumni who um, might not have been involved in the past couple of years. Um, so that's good. I'm still learning my role on the GSPM Board of Advisors and, and learning everybody. Um, but with having one board meeting underneath my belt and um, and a couple of the board activities and things, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Um. Trust in institutions is at an all-time low. That's particularly true among young people. I know you spend a lot of time talking to, you know, younger folks who who you know maybe at maybe at GSPM or thinking about attending GSPM. You know, in your role as a, as a board member, what advice would you give to a young person on, you know, a why they should even bother to get involved in politics and government when everybody seems you know so distrustful. Uh, of those institutions right now, why should why should they get involved? And then B, if they're going to get involved. How should they do that? How can they make a difference? How can they make an impact and, and contribute? 
Yes, I um, I mean, you're right. There, There's a lot of, um, you know, trust in institutions is at an all-time low. I think, um, you know, uh, my all of our work with with GW, the brand is just so strong at GW. And, um, and working with the students, I feel like um, there's so many of them are interested in finding kind of that, what that middle ground is, that common ground with Republicans and Democrats. And, and that's what really energizes me. I, I love to hear both sides. I love to kind of find that middle spot, that sweet spot. Um, that we can kind of start our bipartisan work on. And the more I'm out there talking about that um, to students, uh, to prospective students, and also trying to recruit students, they, I also, um, I also um, hear and feel their energy in that space too. So, so I'm just hopeful that we can kind of build upon that and, you know, being able to kind of share my experience and my story about um, finding that middle ground can really attract some folks um, to being part of politics. Last question. There are a lot of opinions about what makes for a successful career. Uh, In your experience, what have you found to be most important? Is it what you know or who you know? Or is it some combination of both? It's a combination of both. What you know, who you know, um, your network, just always being able to build your network and keep up with your network is key. Also, I think um, something that makes for a successful career is your reputation. Um, You're the only one um, that can own your reputation. So just make it a good one. Make sure that you're always um, following up with people, making sure that you're always a a trustworthy source. Um, So your network and... um, Making, making sure that you have a great reputation are probably two of the most um, key things to be able to have a successful career in this town. Wise words from a wise person, Tiffany Waddell. Thank you so much for uh, taking so much time to chat with us today. We really appreciate it. Really uh, have learned a lot from hearing about, about your journey and kind of the pivot you made in your career and, and, and the great work you're doing now with the NGA is really inspiring stuff. And I'm, I'm sure our listeners will uh, we'll feel the same. Thanks so much for, for taking the time to join us today. Thank you so much for having me.